0: Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute.
1: We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts.
0: Welcome to today's episode. We have the amazing Privilege to be with Sherry Gagan. She's one of our long-term Lemmy mentors and trainers, and a phenomenal mentor and great friend. And so excited to be speaking with her today. Sherry, will you take a second or and introduce yourself to our audience?
2: Tell us a little a, a bit about your background. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be here, and I'm uh, I am now from. Uh, Eagle, Idaho, which is outside of Boise. However, um, when I was homeschooling, I was in Poway, California, which is outside of San Diego. And that's when I met uh, Tatiana and Heidi and uh, uh, so many other Lemmy trainers and great Lemmy people. So um, I have, my children are all grown. Um, the my oldest is 35 and my youngest is 28 and we have six grandchildren. So I'm in a very different stage of life. If we had an, if we had any kind of a Lemmy group going here, I would try to get involved, but it, we don't. So I keep encouraging homeschoolers <laughs> to get involved with Lemmy. But anyway, um, I am, uh, my background. Okay. I got a history degree. I went to liberal arts college, Wells College. Uh, And after I graduated, I worked in professional theater uh, for 10 years, Uh, educational and professional theater back and forth. Um, I then um, that's about when I met my husband and got married. And then I, uh, he had the better paying job. So uh, we moved to Florida. And I moved to Florida. He was already there. And in that area of Florida, there weren't really any good paying theater jobs. They're all pretty much work 100 hours a week and don't get paid very much. And I had been there and done that. So didn't do it again. So um, I did other things. And then we started our family and uh, I always kind of knew that theater was not for I didn't think theater was really kind of a, a family uh, occupation, you know, and for me, I become completely over not overwhelmed, but completely engaged and it's all I can think about. And so um, I just knew it wasn't something that I could do while I was raising a family, but I had the great privilege all through um, my life in my church. And then, uh, of course, in my Commonwealth School to direct and, um, and teach Shakespeare and other playwrights and things like that. So um, that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: That's awesome. So what would you say is the biggest difference between because you have actual like professional experience in the theater so you come from a a really qualified background but what do you think the biggest difference between the shakespeare conquest or classical acting is and then maybe like an actual high school drama class or like what would differentiate between the two
2: okay if you're asking me between those two, I feel like the high school drama class is more training to go into professional um, and academic theater. What we did at Lemmy was very different because we're building statesmen and that's not what they're doing in any high school. I'm not saying that schools don't have um, missions and, and, and that professors or teachers are not trying to do something more than just just teach the content and things that they're doing. Okay, I'm not doing that. But you know, in Lemmy, our whole focus is building statesmen and stateswomen and people who can think and give back to their communities and their families and be able to, you know, help themselves and help their families and work through difficult things so i feel like that's part of what shakespeare conquest and classical acting is all about discovering so in those in those projects you're discovering and the students are discovering different things um and different character traits like what are good what are the good things what do you love about romeo and what what <laughs> what what are things that you just really don't want to do that he did or do yet? Right. <laughs> yeah. like, who is Hamlet? Why is he such a great figure? But also what are his weaknesses? What, what do we want to kind of make sure that we avoid, you know, what do you do when you have a uh, lady Macbeth in your life? Right. Um,
0: yeah, I was, I am really glad that you brought that up because I was speaking with my niece today and, and we're, um, I'm casting the uh, play and actually have the opportunity to be um, teaching Natalia's daughter, Bethany, which is super, I'm super excited. So she's gonna be the third generation teaching or yes So I guess we are first sure second generation of Lemmy, which is pretty exciting. But um, anyway, so I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, well, I got to cast these different parts. And she's like, well, why are you going to pa- cast them this way? And I was like, well, I don't I'm not really trying to p- make a professional play. Like this person would probably do this part better than this person. But That's not my goal. It's not to be like a really amazing production. I mean, sometimes that is the end result. Um, but I'm like, I really feel like if this person acts this part it will make them learn and stretch and grow in ways they really need to do like really need to grow whereas it would be exactly. better for me to, to typecast things right it would have be better for me if i wanted a really good play to make sure i typecast my play but instead it's like no i'm going to pick people to fit the parts that are going to make them grow
2: more so than make my play good and the thing that's amazing because you hear Tatiana saying that the thing that's amazing is that the plays are amazing. They turn out so remarkable. Um, if you're a classical acting mentor or you're considering mentoring one of the one, either one of those projects, Shakespeare Conquest or classical acting, um, as you go through tech week, you may not think so. And you may think, okay, I'm not even standing in the back of the auditorium because I'm embarrassed and this is gonna be terrible. But, but on opening night, you know, that's when the magic really happens. And usually, I mean, almost every time I haven't seen it where it doesn't really work out because the kids know that, you know, no one's going to be feeding them lines. No one's going to be helping them. It's all going to be up to at them and whatever happens, happens. And um, they do make it happen. And the kids grow and they learn. And, you know, part of life is not getting what you want. I mean, I don't know about you, most of my day is not getting what I want. And, um, you know, today, actually, before we were getting ready for this podcast, I said, okay, I'm gonna make this phone call and I'm gonna pay this bill because I wanna be able to look back on my day and say, I did the podcast and I paid that stinking bill, right? But other than that, the whole other rest of the day just kind of went south. So, and that's kind of life. But, and you have to learn how to live with I didn't get the part that I wanted. So, what am I going to do with the part that I got? Can I still bring 100%? Can I still create and have fun and learn? Even if I'm not doing exactly the part that I wanted, because that's absolutely life, you know, getting married, having a family, starting a new job, making friends, going to a party. I mean, all kinds of things, right? You need those skills and abilities. Yeah. And that's what we work on when we're doing projects.
1: Yeah, now I, I want to go back just a little bit into what you said about, you know, everybody thinking that there's no way this could be a good, you know, a successful play when you're in the middle of tech week. For so many years, I, I was um, like the principal mentor in, in my community, and every year I would have to talk new parents off the ledge, they were ready to quit and so I, it got to the point where I I would try and head it off at the pass you know before anything happened and I would say okay you are going to want to quit don't quit until after the play because after the play it will be worth it they will pull this off
2: and we but tell them in training every year we tell them yeah. tech week you're going to wonder what's like what happened? And why did I say I would do this? And I'm going to be so embarrassed, but just hang in there and get to the end and keep working. Like it's going to be awesome because it is, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And you're going to laugh and you're going to cry at all the right places and for all the right reasons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you said like, I'm going to be so embarrassed. I, 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 this is a weird line and maybe we can talk about this a little bit because it's like, You have mentor pride, you know, when your student does really, really well, like, like, yeah, it's so awesome, like everyone did everything and I'm so awesome, right? But then it's also like there's mentor shame when it's like, this is such a big mess. (laughs) Yeah. It totally just messes up all. But like, I think there's like, there's got to be a fine line, like, what is your responsibility in the mentoring and what is their responsibility? So it's like, how much of this mess is really yours and how much of this mess is the fact that you gave them freedom and they just didn't choose to do it? Like, does that make sense?
2: No, and okay, Tatiana, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's a really important thing to, to talk about and to understand. And it's something that as a mentor, you, you begin to learn over time. You know, there are a lot of people that don't like to hear it's okay if the kids fail. And you know what? If the play doesn't work out, it's if you did all that you could do, then you did your part because everybody has a part to play everybody and the director and the producer they can only do so much and then on opening night they're not up on the stage they're not telling people where to go and what to do and where to put the scenery you know it's up to it's up to the kids it's up to the stage managers it's up to those people I'm not saying sometimes depending on the size of your Community, you might be backstage and you might be moving scenery, and you you know <laughs> all of that, but it, you know, whether the play turns out or not is really up to the kids. if you ha- you do all you can and then you let them go. And you know, quite frankly, we have to do that with our children. We have to give them the freedom to choose. There are times and places, right, to to give them the freedom to choose what they're going to do and how they're going to make it. I did have um, a time when I was casting a show and I cast this one young man as Bottom and he really didn't want to be Bottom. He wanted to be one of the lovers and you know, in other plays that he had done, not, you know, outside of Shakespeare and things. He he loved being, you know, one of the lovers, A, your lead, B, everyone loves you, literally, the audience, the actresses, you know. And I thought what this kid really needs to do is play bottom because he will be phenomenal. And I just think, feel, felt like he needed that for his, um, you know, for his growth. So I called his mom. Because I said, Lynette, he doesn't want to do bottom. She goes, I know. I don't know why. Like bottom is the best. I said, yeah, it is. So, but what do you think I should do? Because I really want to cast him, but I don't know. I don't. She goes, no, I think you should. I think you should cast him. So I did I cast him. And you know what? He was fine. He was good. He, you know, he pulled it off. He didn't. He didn't give it all he had. He didn't do what I knew he had in him to do to be just like the funniest bottom ever so that everyone would love him because they would have. Um, He didn't want to do it. And he decided he wasn't going to do it. And he wasn't going to give me the satisfaction of doing a good job in a role that he didn't want because I knew he had it in him and that can happen you know so it's a chance that you take and i was willing to take it because you don't want to give a kid a role that you know they have no ability really at all to do you know because you don't want to give them such a challenge that they're they're going to fail because they don't have it in them at the moment right that's not what we're talking about here um so and you just have to know that when you do do that sometimes you get what you get and you know it was fine and I was fine with it and why do you think parents struggle so much with loving
0: their children to fail I mean, all of us are parents, so I mean, I mean, maybe there's some insight in there, but I've also found that to be the case. Like when the freak out happens from the parents, you know, it's coming because they're like, they can't do this. They're not doing it. They can't do this. And then you're like, well, okay, like, why, why do you think that's such a strong, there's so much resistance there.
2: Okay. I'm telling you, I'm reading this great book right now. It's called Bittersweet. It's by Susan Cain. It's wonderful. and. It's about how life is bittersweet and well, it's way more than that, but it's kind of like how we learn more from the bitter than we do from the sweet. And the bitter can become sweet, right? Um, I think sometimes as parents, when we've had difficult things in our lives that have happened, And, you know, it can be, it can be abuse, it can be trauma, it can be, um, you know, a sense of abandonment, whether you were actually abandoned or, you know, all kinds of things that happen in life, right? Because this kind of stuff happens to all of us, you know, I mean, if we would just stop for a minute and say, which one of those things happened to you, we, we would all have something that happened to us, right? That was hard in our childhood. Um, or teenage years or whatever. And I think sometimes parents just want to protect their children from those things because we think we can. And the truth is we do the best we can to have our children have a wonderful <clears throat> life and experience and you know things like that. Um, but there's a, you want them, I don't know. It's how I always felt even before I got involved with Lemmy, I felt like I want my kids to know that it's okay to fail and do it in a safe space at home where we're not going to yell at them if they don't do everything perfectly. We don't care about that. We care about the fact that we're creating, you know, human beings who can give back as they become adults. And be good. We had sons, so it could be good husbands, and fathers, and uh, and good employees and employers, and um, you know people who who serve in their communities. And we just have to get used to the idea that it's okay for our kids to make mistakes and to fail. You know, I know, I remember when I was, I first was kind of um, introduced to this idea from, oh shoot, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Anyway, he had this program called Let's Fix the Kids and really it was all about the parents, you know, and it was a program that you could do and, you know, in terms of having family rules and rewards and, you know, things like that and eventually you start As the kids get older, you pay them and things like that. And one of the things he said was, okay, they're going to have this money that they can spend on whatever they want. And they're going to go out and they're going to buy like a shirt, a t-shirt, and it's going to have like the most grotesque thing on it ever. And they're going to buy it. And if you really want this program to work, you're not going to stop them just because you think a they're going to regret it and b you're going to be so embarrassed to walk around with a kid with that t-shirt on you let them spend their money in the way they want to spend their money and let them learn that lesson you know was that a good thing did they get the reaction they wanted (laughs) did that was that a good purchase was it you know so that was kind of what I, and that was when our children were very young. And so then we just kind of took that and and kept having it get bigger and bigger. And I was very excited when it when you know we found out it was part of, um, you know, in, it was an inside of the Lummy philosophy as well. It's an important thing for us for, for us to teach our children and our grandchildren that just because you make a mistake, just because you blow it big time, you know doesn't mean that you can't come back from it
0: i i really like that you bring that up I'm my favorite right now i'm i'm really into regenerative farming and we're hopefully going to be able to get some land soon and and I'll start farming but um and the guy that i love following gabe brown he is a city, city slicker and or i guess he was raised in the city and then he um, came to farming through his wife and her family And he literally went through seven seasons of failure, like like huge failure, like the banks barely extending the the loan, like two years of total like hail destroyed all of his crops, like huge failure, you know, and he's got a young family, he's got all these things. And in his book that he talks about, it's just like, I would have never found regenerative agriculture if I failure hadn't forced me. To completely look at things differently because I couldn't do the way everyone else was doing it.
2: Interesting. And, and yeah. so like
0: it, it's it's a really insightful thing it's so like you were talking to me and I was thinking about my own reason why I don't like I don't like to watch my children suffer and what I'm realizing is every time I step in and save them I'm preventing them from navigating and figuring out how to get through it right? How do I get through this pain to, to get where I need to go? Well, if mom comes in all the time and just says, here, this is how we do it, then and I, they're not developing that skill of navigating the failure, like getting through that failure, like figuring out what are my tools to get through this failure? What are my resources? How do I, how do I pick myself up? Like every time we step in and we just like, you know, save them either from the failure in the first place or tell them after they fail how to get through it we really do like a disfavor to just thinking about like right now with, <clears throat> with reading with my kids, like sometimes I get lazy and then I just start like sounding out the letters for them because I'm just like, and then they never learn it because they know if they wait long enough, mom will, mom will
2: do it. I'll mom will give do you the it. word. Yeah. I'll
0: give you the word. Yeah. And so I'm like, I've been having to stop myself like, no, it's okay. Like it's okay for you to struggle and go through the pain and the pain that I have to go through sitting here being like, Oh. <laughs> and and I, I thought it's a very interesting insight you know like why what about pain makes us and the failure that really makes them really learn some skills that you can't just teach
2: I mean, they have to discover I feel like you, you have to discover and and it is the way that we all discover it you know it it really is and and I'm not saying as a parent that it's easy and I was Either my husband and I were perfect at it all the time. Um, But you have to be open to the possibility of it. And knowing when, okay, this is definitely an opportunity for my child to learn. And so I can help them if they come to me and ask, but I don't have to, you know, it's not up to me to make sure that they get their paper in on time. It's up to them. It's yeah. not up to me to make sure that they memorize their lines. Do I need to support them? Should I ask them if they need help? Should I remind them? There's lots of things we can do. But you can't make them do. You, you literally can't make anybody do anything.
1: Yeah, yeah you we really can. Think we
2: can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tatiana, the the whole reading and everything. And I think that I, I probably use this during um acting, you know, during the Shakespeare plays and the classical acting plays as well. When I'm just like, it's just so painful to watch. Y- you know the breathing techniques they teach you when you're in labor. <laughs> I've actually used them when i t- when I was teaching my kids to read. It's like you know, behind their back, I'm going, <sharp inhale> you know just like something to get me through that pain literally and just doing that you know whatever you have to do because it can be painful but you have to just get through it as a parent otherwise you're depriving your kid yeah
0: so I want to ask Sherry is there can you think share with us a story where you feel like your community really came together to help a child grow or like a mentor opportunity through Shakespeare or through classical acting where you really saw like immense growth in a child? Or,
2: yes. Okay, yeah. I have one. Um, okay, this is a personal experience when I was mentoring. Um, <clears throat> I, had a, I had a young woman and we were doing Shakespeare and the first year we did Midsummer Night's Dream. And she was so scared. She could not look anybody in the eye, like literally. And I I came to her and I gave her some exercises to do and, you know, just at home with her parents or her siblings that she felt comfortable with and things, you know, and she had a small role and that's really all she wanted and but she came on stage you know she had a role which was that first year that was a big deal for her so she played um, Polita in Midsummer Night's Dream not a lot of not a lot of lines um, not even on stage all that much but she was anyway the next year we did Um, Benedict and Beatrice and it's called Much Ado Much Ado About Nothing yes sorry and she um, came to me right before or maybe like a week or two before auditions and said I really want to audition for Beatrice what do I need to do? (laughs) I was flabbergasted, you know, now I have to say that during actors training that year, she really kind of came out of her shell a whole lot more, but not dramatically, not like I ever thought, yeah, yeah, she could play. She could definitely play Beatrice. So I told her exactly what she needed to do. I said, you need to have a lot of, you know, you need to really think about what Beatrice's character is. And when you do the auditions, I need to see that coming out. Um, You need to be able to look, you know, look at people and have reactions and really show emotion when you're, I know you're just going to be doing read-throughs, but, you know, I want you to do the best that you can. And, I want you more than anything to make sure that you just give it your all and you're not just reading lines, but you have done enough research about who Beatrice is that I'm seeing her as you do your read-throughs when you're doing your auditions. And I'll be darned. She came to that, those auditions and she nailed it. There was no question about whether or not we should cast her. I mean, a little question because, you know, she didn't have a lot of, um, you know, so we took a big risk. And I just thought she really wants this. She really showed me, she did everything I asked her in auditions. And I'm telling you, it was amazing to watch her as she went through, uh, what's it called, Quest, um, now, wasn't called Quest when I was mentoring it. And she went through Quest. She ended up being a student mentor in Quest when they did the um, Supreme Court simulation. She was one of the lawyers that stood up there and argued like so strongly. And I'm not saying she wasn't scared, but she was very confident in what she was doing and saying. It was a completely different... Huge transformation. And even watching her um, interact with the rest of the students, you know, she was definitely an introvert and she had some other mental health issues. Um, But, and, you know, she would hang out with people and then sometimes you would just see her off by herself doing her thing because she needed to decompress right but when she went on stage she knew how to turn it on she knew what to do so she really gained not just from shakespeare but i mean it was a lot it started in shakespeare and then as she did the other projects she really acquired these other skills and abilities that were not the way she was going to necessarily turn out. It made a huge difference. Now, can I just say though, that was dramatic and it's not always dramatic with every child, you know, um, it isn't, but it, I'm just saying these projects makes a make a huge difference, a huge difference. And Honestly, at 68 years old, if I had grandkids who were in the programs, mine are still too young. And at the moment, they're not homeschooling. So there's that. Or, I mean, I would continue to mentor these programs. And I still miss it because I loved watching that transformation happen in all of the projects because it happens in all of the projects for sure. We're interrupting
0: this broadcast to
2: invite you to ask
0: questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section.
1: And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also
0: check out our website at lemmementortraining.com. I think right when you were talking and I was thinking about like myself having gone through the projects. I I also was a, I'm a very high introvert. <laughs> people don't really believe that, but it's just like I am. Very, I very have,
2: I'm always shocked when I hear you say that. And I've known Tatiana <laughs> since she was, I don't know, 15, 16, 14, something.
0: Yeah. So like being in front of people is not at all brings me any fulfillment or joy. <laughs> but like it was interesting because I now in my church serve as the. Leader of the of the um the children in in our little um congregation and um we have to do a big presentation in our you know services and as i was getting up there to do this and it's like this big event and everyone's watching and all the pressure on it and i was just like how come i'm not scared and i literally just this year was like oh it's because i had to do this at 12 and 13 and 14 Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, once you do it, like, and so many times that you're just so, in, like, you just, it doesn't matter. Like, you're in front of everybody, and, and you just do what you have to do, and you know you're going to do your best, and it doesn't matter if it flops because you did your best. And it's just like, you know, looking back at being, like, 35 and and realizing these skills don't leave you. They're with you forever, yeah. and they really enable you to serve and to and to be Therefore, people in your community or wherever you are, because you have the confidence, even though it's extremely uncomfortable and I don't like it, I can do it
2: and yeah. I can do yes. it well. Yes. And so there's a difference, right? You don't have to like it to be able to do it and to do it well. There are so many people, you know, I don't know Peter Sellers, I'm kind of dating myself, but Peter Sellers you know, the Pink Panther, he did, he did a lot of really great roles. He was an incredible actor. And, you know, um, I heard um, was it wasn't an interview with him, but somebody who was talking about Peter Sellers, who said he actually was, I think, on the spectrum, you know, high functioning um, autism, but So when he would go on like the Tonight Show or any of the talk shows, they would tell people, you can talk to him, bring up any of his movies, any of the things that he's done. You cannot ask him personal questions because he won't be able to answer them. He cannot do it. And but he could do all the rest of it, you know, and you don't have. So there are so many people who have great talent and that you would never expect to you know say well i don't like being up in front of crowds because you see them in front of crowds all the time and they're eloquent and they're funny and you know all of those things so so can i i want to there's thought of something as you were saying just that you know in the shakespeare conquest manual um actually tatiana's sister now natalia whitaker wrote that project with her mom. They created it together and she did the actor's training portion. And she had the whole intro talks about the, you know, why actor's training, why is it important? And the truth is there's so many things that you do in actor's training that help you for just like you said, Tatiana, for the rest of your life. And if you have students who are in Shakespeare Conquest or classical acting, or you start mentoring, you're going to discover and see what all those skills and abilities are. And you know that's the other thing. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. Um, the thing that I love about the the Lummy projects is that each of the projects, the subject matter, has been specifically chosen. Um, We're not just teaching American history when you do Key of Liberty. We're not just studying great leaders in quest. We're not just studying Shakespeare in Shakespeare or the Greek authors or uh, modern playwrights in classical acting. We're training. We're we're looking to train people to have the characteristics of a statesman because all of us are statesmen in our families and in our communities. We have the opportunity to have those kinds of skills and abilities in our own life so that we can navigate through whatever storms are going to come because storms are going to come. You know, you look across the country over this winter and a lot of storms have come all over the world and the same thing happens in our lives. So what we're trying to do is help people to navigate and learn through other people's lives and our and their own experiences as they go through the different simulations and things like that to literally become a better human being than we were before and that's one of the reasons I love mentoring the projects.
0: I like how you said that cuz today we in shakespeare uh, we did the activity where they like get the mirrors and they have to like do different emotions and faces and stuff and oh my gosh it was so hard but (laughs) I don't know. This generation, I'm sure this is probably why every generation that's older has problems with the younger generation cuz they're always like, I don't not get these kids, but <laughs> it's <been> so hard. <laughs> and I don't remember it being that hard, but anyways, we're doing these things and finally I, I was, like every time we have these at every activity, I feel like they just they won't play with me or whatever. I don't know, it's frustrating. And so then I just stopped the, and I'm like, guys, all I'm asking you to do is look at a- mirror and just give me an emotion. Give me an emotion in the mirror. That's all I'm asking you to do. And and they're it's so hard. And then finally like, okay, why am I asking you to do this? You know, and we had, I just stopped the activity because it was just, I was having so much pushback. So I just stopped the activity I'm like, why am I asking you to do this? And one well, of the kids like, so we know how to act when we're on stage. I'm like, yes, good point. But why else am I asking you to do this? <laughs> And like the kids are like, I don't know, to torture us? We can make us bored. I'm like, no, really, why am I asking you to do this? And I, and then they're like, maybe it will help us when we're older somehow. I'm like, okay, how? How is this going to help you when you're older? I said, right now, none of you guys have maybe felt disgust or dread or fear at its intensity, but sometime in your life you will. And you need to recognize when those emotions hit you, where they manifest in your body. And then you need to have a safe place in which you can process those emotions in a healthy manner so you can have an appropriate response. And I just like, I flat out told them, the difference between me and all of my peers is that when life beats the crap out of you, because it will, I have a safe place. I go to, I take a deep breath, I figure out what I'm feeling, process it and let it go. And you know how I learned that? Laying on the ground here, looking at a freaking mirror processing my emotions at 12 and 13 years old. Okay, so if you learn this now you're going to be eons ahead of every single one of your peers in emotional intelligence. And that's the difference between you being able to get through life's crap or not, so please just play this game. (laughs) and so I like Ellie like you say like these are skills that we're giving them in Shakespeare that I mean I don't know if any of the kids in Shakespeare have gone on to have a professional acting career like I don't I don't know anyone I don't
2: think so and that's not the point yeah that's not the point well and the other thing is we have people come and put on plays that have never done a play themselves or maybe they were in plays when they were in high school but they haven't produced them and they haven't put them on Sometimes we have people who are have theater experience and kind of know what they're doing. But it's not, you know, for any of the projects that you mentor and for Shakespeare and for classical acting, it is not um, what it's not a requirement that you have any experience at all in acting. I happen to, and it's how my it's how my friend felt confident about she, uh, my friend Melanie Hartzell, who maybe you'll hear from in a podcast because she's a Lemmy trainer too. Um, She was at a homeschool conference and she went and Anelody Milne, who is Tatiana's mom, was speaking. And anyway, the bottom line is she found out about Shakespeare Conquest and she came home and said, Sherry, I heard about this, this, class that we could teach. And in the end, we put on a Shakespeare play. Would you do that with me? And I was like, we put on a play? Absolutely. Let's do it. I didn't know anything about it. I just went to training. And, um, and that's how we started. But it's not because I, I mean, I went because I was excited about doing a play. Yeah. But as soon as we were done with the first day, I could see that this had nothing to do with any of the knowledge and experience that I had. I mean, my knowledge and experience was helpful when it came to producing the play. And I think it really kind of, um, was helpful as I've been a Lemmy trainer and, um, how we've been able to train people to do shows and things like that. However, That's like at the very bottom of the things that are important in terms of, you know, what it takes to be a mentor. What it takes is a commitment and, uh, you know, commitment to want to uh, submit yourself and and lead others uh, into what it means to be. A better human being in the world.
1: One of the things that I have found over the years is that going through Lemmy training, you know, we think we're doing it for our kids, but it is transformational for the adults that are going through the training. Um, I've seen it, especially for the acting classes, how it's transformational for the parents. For the community in so many different ways. um, Yeah, it just changes people.
2: You know, it's interesting to me because when I first moved to San Diego, um, we lived in San Jose before and there were tons of homeschoolers in San Jose, you know, where we lived. I mean, tons. And most people, when you said, when you started talking about schooling, you know what? Great as your child, and oh, we're homeschooling. Oh, my cousin homeschools. Oh, my neighbors homeschool. You know, we moved to San Diego and nobody knew anybody, and they all thought my husband and I had three heads. I mean, it was very uncomfortable for a long time. Okay. And it was interesting because we, um, I even think some people thought we were kind of subversive, you know, because we were homeschoolers. I don't know. Anyway, we started doing the Shakespeare plays and we would invite, of course, you know, the community and our friends and and the kids would all invite their friends. And it was really when we started doing the Shakespeare plays and the classical acting plays that the community really lightened up about homeschooling and whether or not it had any um, anything good that it was doing for the people who were involved. And we actually had some people in the community who, whenever the shows were going on, were like, you have to make sure you let us know when your shows are, because we love coming to your shows. Your shows are the best, you know? And these are 12 and 13 year old kids. And then, you know, Fourteen to sixteen year old kids doing Shakespeare. So anyway, it, um, it it changed it changed the way people in our community thought about homeschooling, for the people who didn't homeschool. And of course, it made a huge difference in the lives. I mean, it made a big difference in our family. It made a big difference in all the families who were involved in our community. And Shakespeare is a wonderful way to, you know, it was one of the things that increased uh, the enrollment in our commonwealth school when we were first getting going. Cause people come and see it and they're like, Oh, I want my kid to be involved in that. I want my kid to be involved in that. So
0: what do you think um, is it, what? what is it about the play that changes the community? Like, cause I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like, You know, if you're the first year you're starting Commonwealth and everybody is struggling and it's just like trying to get there and then you do the play and it's like there's a switch. And then once you get your Commonwealth, like foundation started, it's like the play just keeps it strong. Like, what is it about the play that's so transformational?
2: You know, I feel like theater generally is is like this theater is something that brings a lot of different people together and um, in when you're talking about the show you know even in professional theater the actors can't do it on them on their own i mean because you can't be acting in the play and turning on and off the lights um and i'm not saying there aren't little companies where they do almost everything you know but you have to have people who are backstage um Even people who work on a blank stage, there's little things that come and go. There's props backstage, there's costume changes, there's, you know, lights go on and off. Tickets have to be sold. Um, Programs have to be handed out. There's all kinds of things that, all kinds of people that have to be involved. So that's one of the wonderful things is that you really get all of the families who are involved in that project involved in in the show they're either helping to sell tickets you know they're doing costumes they're helping gather props they're everybody's involved so everyone has something at stake um and their children are involved of course so they're going to be excited about it and you know it's something that they want to do and it's su- i mean shakespeare is such you know there are adults that don't like to go to see shakespeare because it's a little overwhelming for them and then when you see these 12- and 13-year-old kids, 14-year-old kids up there, not only just having the lines memorized, but they know, they actually understand what they're saying. And you can understand, you can understand what's going on because they understand what's going on. And so they're they're able to um, transmit that, you know, communicate that. And It's just a very exciting thing to watch. And so when everyone has so invested in it, it's a big accomplishment for the whole community, you know? And so it brings everybody together. Now I want to tell you, it also creates, there can be times when it's really hard and hard things happen, but you know, then you got to get through that too. And that, Um, and seeing everything come together and the kids come together kind of allows people to do what they have to do to heal and move on to the next thing.
1: One of the things that my, um, one of my sons encountered in college is he was told by a professor that there are no more communities anymore. And He, he actually stood up and said, no, I know there, there are, I grew up in one, I saw one formed and it was really, it was built on, you know, our Lemmy community, but he saw how our community came together for those plays every single year and how we worked together. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think it's the whole, the plays are so transformational. It's, it's a community builder. It's a community strengthener. You know, we all go through that trauma of watching those kids mess up so massively during track week. You know, we're all so scared for them, but yet we come together and support them. Uh, It's, it's just, you know, and then you do one and then it's like, Oh my gosh, we got to do this again! It, it, it's so much fun to to get you know. Once you get past one, it's like, okay, we only do one a year. Oh my gosh, we, you know that high that you get. The kids just get hooked on it. Yes, parents do too. Yes, they do. I also
0: think I I like that you said you know it's the it's it's the Shakespeare element about it too because I'm editing Twelfth Night right now. Is getting ready to put together our play and. Uh, I was, I was reading it and there's just so many lines where it's like, oh, there's a line where Viola is in this big mess and she's like, oh no, this is not gonna go well. And so she says something like, time, you must unravel this knot for it's too hard for me to untie. And it's just, you know, it's like just thrown out there as like, you know, a saying. But if you take a pause and you and you think about it it's like you know you know what there's so much truth in that there's so much truth. in the fact that there are things you cannot untie as much as you want to as much as you want to take all of your strength and just rip it apart and fix it you you literally can't and. Um, and there's just wisdom like you know and, and then just like what happens when you know. You know, that 14-year-old kid reads that line over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again until they have it memorized, you know, and then they have it for the rest of their life. They, they have that, you know, that really, that powerful
2: truth. It's true. And not only memorized, but they understand what they're saying. They understand what that line means in, you know, in regular English so because it's not it's not just that the lines are memorized it's that they know what they're talking about and that's what makes it so funny and so poignant and you know everything else
0: well i not
2: all the lines i feel like to understand no they probably lines. don't understand everything but you try to get them to understand as much as you can and those there was... ones you really try to get them to understand. oh
0: yeah oh for sure there was a line i left in much ado and i was like oh my gosh i'm really glad none of you guys know what this is saying <laughs> I felt so bad after I was like, you know, you miss him sometimes and I was like, that is not a good line. I'm glad no one in the audience knows this and you especially don't.
2: (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that happens. (laughs) He can be crude. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he
1: can. There's no question. So,
0: um. We don't have a lot of time left over, but if you could you've you've gone on to not just teach Shakespeare conquest, but project, but also the classical acting so can you tell us a little bit what's the difference between those two projects.
2: Okay, yes. Um, Classical acting. Takes Shakespeare to the next level, so in the first semester, you read. um, A Greek tragedy a French farce, generally by Moliere, because there's just not that much, um, you know, kind of, I mean, in between that we could find. And then you'd read a modern one, like we would read um, The Crucible or, um, I can't think of any of the other ones. Oh, not The Four Seasons, The you what about Thomas More? Man for All Seasons? or Man Random? for All Seasons. See, I knew the seasons was in there. Man for All Seasons, something like that. So it was written, you know, in the more modern era. And um, so you read and discuss those plays. And then they do presentations on um, some of the different eras, you know, that you're talking about. Um, then also, you really get into um, the into the Shakespearean language, and you start under under understanding the iambic pentameter, what the different um, you know why is it that way, uh, how do you how do you break it down so that you can see what's being said and understand it more and analyze the language um, so that you have a deeper understanding of the things that you're saying and what's going on. Um, so there's all different kinds of uh, parts of Shakespeare that you that you dig into um, in terms of the language in the first semester and then in the second semester, and then you also read a Shakespeare play. You read a Shakespeare tragedy, so four plays that you read in the first semester, and then um, and then you also perform a comedy. We always perform comedies because the children, even though they're teenagers, they just don't have the experience to do the tragedies. Um, you know, and do you really want anyone that age understanding? Lady Macbeth or Macbeth or, you know, any of the, any of those people in in the tragedies, you don't, Um, you don't. So Ophelia, you don't want anyone playing. You don't want, we don't need teenagers playing Ophelia right now. Um, You know, from King Lear from not, I'm sorry, not King Lear from, um, Hamlet no yeah Hamlet anyway they just don't have the depth of the life experience I actually went to go see King Lear once at a high school um, because I knew some of the kids who were in the play and the kid who played King Lear I want to tell you he acted his little brains out he was amazing he really was However, he was doing King Lear, and I just don't think that 16 to 18-year-olds or even younger kids, they don't have the depth of life experience to be able to understand what those tragic characters have gone through, and they can't sustain it over time. Do a scene? Yeah, you can do a scene for sure, but not a whole play. It's just, and I, I sat there thinking, oh, I wish I could see him do Benedict, or bottom, or any of the other, you know, great um, roles in one of the comedies, because he would have been phenomenal. So always comedies. But we do get to do a tragedy in classical acting as a process drama. drama. And a process drama is so they read, you pick a tragedy, and then the kids um, create their own, like, 15 to 20 minute version of, based on one of the tragedies. And it, you know, we've had it, we had a Star Wars one once, Um, you know, they did one that was, you know, kind of a Godfather thing. They did one that was, um, uh, I'm pretty sure we did Macbeth and it ended up being Scottish, but it was modern. It was very funny. All the boys were wearing kilts. And I thought, there's like, we wanted the boys to wear kilts. I'm like, I don't think they're going to want to wear kilts. Oh my gosh, we couldn't get them out of their kilts. It was hilarious. And so they're able to to take um, the, you know, the leading themes and things like that that are in the tragedy and write their own kind of little show. And then they perform it. And normally, um, you know, Shakespeare Conquest will have their, um, you know, their Shakespeare Fair. And in our Commonwealth, the we would do that in January. And that's when uh, the classical actors would come and perform. They would perform for the kings and queens and they would do their little process drama. So they do that. And then they also do a show and they try and take it on the road as well so we used to perform in elementary schools we went to um a uh retirement home you know we did went out into the community and tried to give back to the community and um it was a really so you're touring so that adds a whole nother element of uh you know what are you going to use for your props and what's your stage going to be like and you know all of that since you're going to go on tour and um, it's so it just kind of takes it to the next level for Shakespeare because after two years the kids kind of get tired and they don't want to do it anymore it's a little too repetitive two years is about enough but Shakespeare but classical acting really um takes it up a notch
0: that's awesome I remember we I think maybe it wasn't classical acting like that, but it was something similar. We did do the traveling troupe, and I just remember how fun it was to be like, you show up to this elementary school, and it's like, oh, we have five steps. That's our stage. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then, or you're like, show up, and it's just like, okay, we have like a box and we're in the cafeteria you know so it's like right. you know every every single time you show up and it's you got to redo your blocking you got to refigure yeah. out how your entrances and exits work yeah. and, and it's um and it's you don't really, have a lot of time to figure uh, it yeah. out yeah mostly you got like you show up and it's like hey you're on in 10 minutes and you're like okay yeah. you know what's where's all this going what's how's this working and it, it remember as a you know i I you know, not want to be a professional actor by any means, but I remember it just it, it stretches you and makes you grow in a way that is, I think, really helpful like you learn to adapt you learn to analyze situations quickly, you learn to react to those around you be aware of those around you be more self aware be connected be have synergy so I think it's a it's a really awesome it was and it was a lot of fun just to go
2: try to teach little kids about Shakespeare and we spend (laughs) a lot of time way more time doing improv which the kids love um by the time they're done with two years of Shakespeare they actually love improv and they can't get to do it so yeah it's good
0: (sighs) well we always like to ask before we end um if you would have any advice to an, a new Lemmy me mentor. So let's say a new Shakespeare mentor first year, if you had any advice for them.
2: Just open your own heart and mind to the things that you're learning and allow yourself to grow and you're going to struggle with things too, just like your students do. And I'm not saying that you bear your entire soul to your students all the time. That's not always a good idea, but it's okay for the students to see you struggle too, because that's part of life. Um, And it's all about working together to make things work. That's how families work. That's how marriages work. That's how our communities work. Whether we're talking about our homeschool communities or you know, our neighborhoods, we need each other. We need to know each other. And um, just remember what you felt at training. Because everything that we taught you at training is still true, even though it doesn't, even though it doesn't look like it's turning out the way it sounded to you while you were in training. Just keep going. Just keep doing the best that you can. Make sure that you, okay, this is a big one for Shakespeare and classical acting producers and directors. Make sure you make time for your spouse before you go into tech week. That's a big one. I blew that big time. But you got those six weeks of rehearsal, you know, five, yeah, six weeks of rehearsal in those first three weeks, you make sure you're going out on dates and having fun and doing things because you're going to go through a period where you can't pay much attention and you don't want to completely leave your family in the dust. (laughs) It's not a pretty picture. But you'll learn a lot if you end up doing that anyway but just remember you can do this you don't have to have the experience that i had to do it so many hundreds of people have done it who have never done a show before and they turn out beautifully and it can happen for you too i love that that's awesome
0: my my one advice i'd add to this, to this while why you were thinking about it is i would try to take a snapshot of opening curtain in your head. Because like, sorry, it's gonna make me emotional, but um, I can still see those kids' faces. You know, every, every play that I've done and directed, when you open that curtain and they step out there and their lives are t- totally changed. Like I can see-
2: And so where- are yours
0: yeah so it's so yours, is yours. The, and looking back and i think that week those weeks that i've been the opportunity to be the you know mentor and director look back and probably realize even though they're probably some of the most stressful weeks of my life probably were probably some of the best weeks of my life
2: like yeah. literally and Ab- Ab- no question bittersweet right
0: oh yeah yeah bittersweet yeah and it's like if wish if i could pick a time to go back like I, that would be in my top 10 when where did I go back to sit in an audience and watch oh, it yeah. again?
2: Oh yeah, me too.
0: It's a beautiful thing. It's a, a really amazing thing to be a part of, and super blessed to to be in those kids' lives. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking your time being with us today. It's it's been really fun and insightful, and hopefully this helps our communities understand and and grow more. and in their journey towards leadership education and statesmanship.
2: Yeah,
1: no kidding. Break a leg, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired, but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this, you can do hard things.